0: Welcome to Head in the Cloud. I'm your host, John Svazic. This is episode 2, 2017. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that actually came up on Reddit a couple of weeks ago where a user had asked, what are your first end steps when setting up a new account in Amazon? And a lot of people had said, first of all, there is no such thing as a list that we always go through it really depends on what it is that we're doing but there was an equal number of people that said look your best bet is to take a look at this uh, benchmark from the Center for Internet Security and just basically follow that and so in this particular podcast that's exactly what we're going to do we're going to take a look at the Center for Internet Security's AWS Benchmark. So the Center for Internet Security is a nonprofit organization that also offers a lot of services and products, including cloud security benchmarks for Amazon. Uh, I did take a look at their website and I was familiar with them from before, but I was curious to see if they had the other cloud uh, providers there like Google and Azure. And unfortunately they do not. So the only benchmark that they have available at this time is for Amazon. Now, they actually have two of them. They have uh, the foundations benchmark and they also have a three tier web architecture benchmark, but we're going to be focusing on the foundations benchmark since it's a bit more uh, generic. So we're going to be looking at version 1.1.0, which was released November 9th, 2016. Uh, This is the second release. The initial release of this benchmark was actually February 2016. So it's quite possible that there's a more uh, recent version at the time of this, when you're listening to this recording. But at the time of this recording, the 1.1.0 version is the most recent. So we're just going to go with that. So the benchmark itself is is fairly long. It's about 150 pages long, and covers four major areas: uh, identity and access management, logging, monitoring, and networking. In this podcast, we're going to try to go through section one, identity and access management, which itself is is fairly long, but I think we can we can pull through. So with that, let's get started. So the first item in section one is avoid the use of root account credentials. So this is akin to using the root user on Linux. It's just not something you should do. What you should do is after setting up your Amazon account is set up an individual account that you yourself will use uh, granted only the permissions that are required and essentially lock it down. You should only use your root account to add new users or expand the permissions for users you already have, but it definitely should not be used in day-to-day operation. Second point is using MFA for all accounts that have access to the console. In my opinion, multi-factor authentication is a must-have. Uh, in this day and age, in all honesty, if you're going to be doing anything that could potentially cost your organization its reputation or money or pretty much anything that's of any significant risk, if there's an option for multi-factor authentication, it should be implemented. That's, that's just a go-to. Amazon actually has a great little tutorial on how to set up their IAM policy or set up a IAM policy, I should say, for enforcing multi-factor authentication on your user accounts. And the tutorial basically will show you how to set up a policy that unless the individual user has logged in using a multi-factor authentication uh, token, they will not have access to anything. All access will be denied. So it's another nice little insurance policy just to make sure if somehow somebody manages to bypass uh, MFA, uh, maybe through the use of a road key or something along those lines. Uh, it's a nice little, like I said, a nice little insurance policy that you can use So I'll provide a link to the tutorial as part of the uh, podcast description for this uh, particular episode. The third point is ensure credentials unused for 90 days or greater are disabled. So this is just general account cleanup. Perhaps you created a test account and you simply forgot about it and you haven't used it in a while. So you do have the option to take a look to see what uh when the last used date for an account was including what was the last functions that they were using so if you have an account that hasn't been used in 90 days you should just remove it now you should also be doing account auditing fairly regularly usually about quarterly um, is is pretty standard and it's pretty okay Uh, Some people do it a lot more often, obviously. Um, Depends on your own policies, but at least quarterly. I think that's pushing the upper edges on uh, the upper bounds, I should say, on how often you should be doing that. But again, just good practice. Remove anything that hasn't been used for 90 days. Point number four is ensure access keys are rotated every 90 days or less. So this is for those unfamiliar, access keys are ways to essentially provide programmatic access to the Amazon console. You can do this through Amazon's command line tools, through a variety of uh, programming language libraries, and so on. So rather than providing username and password, you essentially have an access key and a secret key that you would use instead. So Amazon recommends that every 90 days, those be rotated as well. Now, personally, I prefer using IAM roles versus access keys, and that's something that we'll cover in a in a future podcast. But there might be a time, for example, your own development machine, where you need to have that programmatic access to be able to remotely connect to the Amazon console without having to worry about your your personal credentials, or maybe it's just not an option. Maybe you're using a uh, tool, a DevOps tool like Terraform, for example. Which, by the way, spoiler alert, will also be a future podcast episode. So, in those cases, there are times where you really don't have a choice; roles just aren't uh, available to you, uh, and you will need to use uh, these access keys to to connect so very much like password policies where you should change your passwords every 90 days you should wait no longer than 90 days to rotate your access keys as well now items 5 through 11 in this checklist are all related to passwords so i'm just going to roll them up all together into sort of one topic so The benchmark itself basically says that passwords should follow the 14 by 4 uh, password complexity pattern, which basically means they should be at least 14 characters long and then have uppercase, lowercase, numbers, and symbols in the password, the four different uh, categories for a character. These are ASCII characters, obviously, that, that we're referring to here, not Unicode and the password should be, uh, again, rotated, very similar to access keys. Passwords should be rotated at least every 90 days. Uh, they also recommend uh, limiting password reuse. They suggest a history of 24, meaning that the last 24 passwords should not be used uh, or can't be reused, rather. So if you're rotating... Even monthly, so every 30 days you change your password. That's two years worth of passwords you don't want to have. This may seem uh, a little extreme. It may seem like a sore spot for a lot of people, uh, and obviously end users themselves are often cursing. Oh, you know what do I you mean? I can't use my password um, now. Just remind your users now. This, given that the the whole point of using a cloud account is you're going to have potentially much more technical people using it, and it's web-based, just have someone use a password manager. Find your favorite password manager, be it LastPass, be it 1Password, be it, you know, there's, there's tons of them on the market. Um, just use a password manager. It may be the easiest solution here, and it will make sure that definitely you won't be using Uh, any previous passwords. Number 12 is ensure that the root account does not have any access keys associated with it. So this is very similar to point number one, uh, avoid the use of root account credentials. You really shouldn't have any access keys associated with the root account. Uh, If you do, that's essentially creating the master key that can be used for all of Amazon. So try to avoid that at all costs. If you do have to use access keys, definitely set up an individual account. It'll be a lot easier to keep track of what those keys are used for, as well as limiting what access those keys have. Point 13 is ensure MFA is enabled for your root account. Uh, Trusted Advisor, which is one of the tools that Amazon provides for just doing spot checking and, and can go a lot deeper, obviously, uh, to make sure that you're using uh, the various services Amazon has appropriately, as well as securely, will flag this in their free version. You can pay for ex- a trusted advisor, uh, and it's it can get costly depending on what you're using it for. Um, if you're going full, full-fledged, give me a full analysis of everything. Um, it is money well spent, in my opinion, but nonetheless, it's not necessarily free once you get past the preliminary checks. But the preliminary checks will flag not having multi factor authentication on your root account uh, as a security flaw. Number 14, use a hardware MFA device for the root account. This is one I don't necessarily agree with, but I can see where they're coming from. In the case of using a virtual MFA application like Google Authenticator, if you lose your account, or sorry, if you lose your phone, it can be a real pain trying to get back in uh, to your accounts. So if you have a physical token, like an RSA token, um, you can at least lock that away somewhere the reason i don't necessarily agree with it is i know that there have been issues in the past with these hardware mfa devices drifting Uh, namely the value that pops up on the device itself does not necessarily line up with what the login console is expecting and then you have login issues and you potentially lock yourself out and so on and so forth however if your business is riding on uh, ensuring that your system is under strict lock and key and there's no way that any sort of external party uh, can get access to your root account. You might want to consider doing this. or maybe whoever owns the root account is uh, uh, has a habit of losing their device or, or whatever else, then definitely looking at a hardware token for that multi-factor authentication is probably a good idea. Number 15, ensure security questions are registered in the AWS account. And this is actually used for telephone support. So if you ever have to call Amazon and ask for help in setting up your, maybe resetting a password or or whatever else, uh, they will ask these. So this is very obviously aimed at social engineering. uh, It is important to do definitely something that we would recommend, or at least I would recommend uh, pursuing and actually just, just doing it. Number 16, ensure IAM policies are only attached to groups or roles. So in Amazon, when you're setting up policies, you can attach them to groups, roles, or users. Setting them up for groups, and roles just basically helps expand the bucket makes it a bit easier you don't have to track down each individual user so as your organization grows as you start adding more users uh, you can add those users to predefined groups those groups you know exactly what permissions people have if you start doing one-offs and saying well this person here we're going to make them a power user and therefore we're just going to grant the role directly on that individual because maybe they're in my it org or maybe they're they're in a devops role and i want to expand that but what happens when all of a sudden you have three five ten fifty people that you need to do this for and then you need to change a policy are you going to go to every all 50 of them and and or maybe you have to add a new policy You're going to go to 50 users to add them. What if you miss number 48? What if you miss number 23? You know, it happens. Simply moving the policies over to groups makes it a lot easier uh, for management and for auditing purposes. Number 17, enable detailed billing. Uh, This is definitely something you want to do. If not for auditing purposes at least for your own personal information in terms of what are you paying for amazon's particularly tricky in this way uh, because they while they offer really good rates on everything they charge you for pretty much everything as well so, keeping uh, detailed or turning on detailed billing will actually help you understand what you're paying for, as well as looking for potential cost overruns or other suspicious activities. There is going to be a lot of, de- of data here, but I, I honestly think that it's worth it. You can also end up generating alerts and notifications on this data. And the one thing that you will have to keep in mind is. By default, the only person that will be able to access that detailed billing is the root uh, account. So the uh, root account credentials are used to look at that billing data. Now you can actually grant access to another user and I'll provide a link uh, to Amazon's documentation on doing exactly that. Number 18, ensure the IAM master and IAM manager roles are active. So this one is a bit of a... If you think back to 1980s movies when they want to launch the nuclear missiles, you have two people with two keys that basically plug into uh, a console, turn the keys simultaneously, and then be able to uh, launch the... Uh, open up the button and uh, push it to launch the missiles. This is along the same lines. In this case, what the... Uh, Benchmark is talking about is essentially you would have a master role and that role is used to create users groups and roles as well as assigning permissions to those roles and then the manager role assigns users and roles to groups so the idea is separation of concerns and making sure that whoever defines the permissions doesn't have the ability to add those permissions to any users they want. Uh, and likewise, the person who creates and manages the users doesn't have the ability to change the permissions um, and access levels for those users. They can only select from a pre existing uh, set that was defined by someone else. So this separation of concerns might be a little bit of overkill for a small organization, but as you grow, and for compliance reasons you may want to explore this uh, particular approach okay number 19 maintain current contact details so in amazon you have when you create your account you can have your primary contact you can have security contacts and you can have other other contacts as well you want to make sure that all that information is up to date i would strongly recommend having um, an email registered to a distribution list as opposed to an individual account that way if something if for for whatever reason amazon needs to get in touch with you they'll be able to hit a wider range of people as opposed to an individual within reason obviously if there's something more uh, sensitive in nature then sure have an individual person listed or at least have their individual uh, cell phone listed but if possible, I would recommend sort of sharing that load. Um, even for cell phones, see if you can have it forwarded to a uh, call tree service or a call forwarding service. So if the primary account holder can't be contacted or isn't answering their phone, let it be forwarded off to another number and let that person try to deal with it. So again, as your accounts, as your organizations grow and your account needs become more complicated, um, you can adjust accordingly. Now, number 20, ensure security contact information is registered. So just like section 19, uh, which is mostly related to the root account holder or the main account owner, 20 is related to security. So sometimes these are the same people sometimes they're not sometimes you'll have someone who's responsible for the actual account and then someone else who's responsible for the infrastructure and finally a third person who's responsible for uh security you want to make sure that you have all up-to-date account information especially for the security people obviously it's a security benchmark so they're calling out the security contact uh, separately 21 Ensure IAM instance roles are used for AWS resources, resource access from instances. So this one is a weird one for being so far down on the list. Um, I would have put this up a little bit higher, but I can see where they're coming uh, from because this is very specific to instances that you are creating. In Amazon, and basically, what you're trying to do here is avoid the use of these access keys uh, in order to make calls to Amazon. So, for example, let's say you have an EC2 instance and you want to be sending messages on an SNS topic or an SQS queue. In those cases, you're going to have some sort of application, you're going to have some APIs. What you want to avoid is using access keys for that. Amazon's got this great system uh, called Roles, and Roles allow you to essentially say, look, when I start this EC2 instance, I want it to have this role assigned to it. That role is essentially a type of user, for lack of a better term. It's kind of like a, a machine user machine role machine group it has policies associated with it to say these are the things that this machine is able to do and you can be as fine-grained with that as you want you can uh, make it such that it can read from a particular s3 bucket and post messages to a particular sqsq but it cannot put new topics or sorry cannot put new files or new objects into that S3 bucket or any other bucket, as well as it can only send messages onto the queue. It can't read or receive any messages or delete anything. And because there's no credentials stored on the machine, because Amazon takes care of all of that behind the scenes for you, should that machine be compromised, there are no access keys, there are no secret keys, there's no credentials for an attacker to retrieve and use for their own purposes. So the use of AWS roles is definitely something, sorry, IAM roles is definitely something that I would recommend doing and reading up more about. Now, I think roles are really important. I will dedicate a a separate podcast to them because uh, obviously I, I feel very strongly for that. Number 22, ensure a support role has been created to manage incidents with AWS support. So again, this is just further separation of concerns. Um, Having a dedicated uh, contact just makes it a bit easier to keep track of what's going on. And again, you can have something dedicated that, um, because this one might be more common than your other roles uh, in terms of sharing it with other people, uh, locking this one down so it essentially only has access to support is probably a good idea. Number 23, do not set up access keys during initial user setup for all IAM users that have console password. So this one basically boils down to not everybody needs to have access keys. So it is a check mark. It is something that's very easy to do when you're first setting up your user. Do you want to give them access keys as well? And the answer is probably not. Unless there's an absolute need, don't give access keys out. Control the access as much as you can. Number 24, ensure IAM policies that allow the full administrative privilege, basically star and star, are not created. And basically this is calling out the fact that you can create policies and permission sets that essentially give full access to every resource available on Amazon. This is essentially creating another root user. So you want to ensure that you only grant access to what's required, not everything else. This is the least privileged principle. People tend to get lazy because you don't know what you need. And so you think, yeah, you know what, I'm just going to give access to everything, but I promise you, it is definitely worth your time to focus on what you need and only grant that it's a bit of a pain initially, but once it's set up, it's easier to maintain. It's essentially, do you do a whitelist or do you do a blacklist? It's a lot easier to do a whitelist to simply say these are the things I need to do rather than chasing down and saying these are all the things I don't want you to do. And with that, we are done Section 1. It's a fairly fairly long section, sorry, but it is really important. So in the next podcast, we'll go through the rest of the sections. So so Sections 2 through 4 so the most important thing to keep in mind is that the cloud is great, but you definitely need to take some different security postures than you may do in your own enterprise uh, or your own data center where you own everything. So there's definitely some changes and things like the CIS benchmark definitely uh, offer help with that. And with that, uh, thank you for listening. If you want to reach out, you can reach me on Twitter. I am at John's Not Here. Uh, the website is myheadinthe.cloud. We have a Facebook page, uh, My Head in the Cloud. You can find me on PeerList. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, by all means, if you have suggestions, ideas, comments, feedback, death threats, whatever you know tickles your fancy, uh, do feel free to reach out, and we'll go from there. And until next time, stay safe and have yourself a great week.